Welcome, welcome coaches, teachers, parents, and medical professionals. You are listening to Larissa Mills and my podcast, At The Table. I am the founder of iParentGen.com. And today and every day, we are going to discuss how families and schools are managing technology and raising children and teaching them. We are also going to listen to how technology is impacting athletes and their level of sport. So let's get to it. Stay tuned and please call in with your questions or join us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. But parents, you are not alone. There are courses, articles, and videos on my website. Please sign up for free. So let's get listening. Hi there, Karen. How are you today? Larissa, it is so good to see you again. Thanks. I like like doing this back-to-back thing it actually gives us more time to talk about our families and our own children and yes I really like being able to hear another person's perspective sometimes about stories or just sharing sort of parts of our our own home and our own families and how they how they shape us I think that that's kind of the art of conversation right You know, because we're, you know, as parents, sometimes we feel we're alone in our own world dealing with our kids until we talk to other parents and say, you go through that too. And then you don't feel so alone. And then we can collaborate on, well, what's been working with your child and what's been working with my child and how can we find what I call best practices or solutions to be able to, you know, collaborate on parenting because it's hard. It is hard. It's very hard, but I have to say, and to announce who you are, Uh, Karen is the founder of Parent by Design, and you are in Indiana. You are a human behaviorist, same background as me. Awesome. You're an author, speaker, and parenting and uh, coach and trainer. Did I get it all right in there? got it, yeah. Wait, but you have three kids, right? Well, actually, we are a blended family with seven kids. Right, okay, yeah, okay. Eight grandkids, number nine is on the way, so the brood is a-growing, so the generation. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So so I get to do it all again through the grandbabies now with a lot more experience, right? I think when I get to that point, I think I'm just going to constantly dress my little grandbabies up and take them for walks. That's my, <laughs> just, give them, just give them to me and I'll take them out. Right. That's all I want. Right. But so we Bye. are going to talk about listeners today. Karen has a real strength here in this area of helping parents with teens. So we're going to talk about three tips that parents can take home to try and adapt with to try as strategies maybe i'll leave you with the links obviously to karen so that you know if you want to get in touch with her you can it's also in the write-up on my buzzsprout and my podcast you can do that but so karen can you tell people a little bit about you and your background and what parent by design helps with Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's real interesting how I came um, across this particular concept to apply to parenting. So I was actually attending a business conference. This is when I was still working when before I had all my kids. I think I only had Kyle at the time. And uh, Kyle was a strong-willed child right from the beginning. But then again, I was a strong-willed mom. And then my mama said, you wait till you have kids. And then I had Kyle. So anyhow, I was at this particular business conference, listening to Dr. Robert Rome speak about uh, personalities and temperaments and how to apply this in the workplace. So either team building or connecting with your clients. And as I'm sitting there, all I could think about was the hot mess in my home, right? So my relationship to my clients at work seemed to be going well. I didn't feel the conflict there, but I was definitely dealing with a conflict at home. And the more he talked about human interaction, 
actions and personality mm -hmm. styles and why people did what they did, I was sitting there thinking, how does he know what went on this morning in my house? Because <laughs> there are predictable patterns in human behaviors. Yes. What I experience, you experience with yours. And as much as I was struggling as a parent, all I could think of was, there's something here and I need to learn more. So I actually went and met him, uh, you know, after he, he spoke, I bought the books on parenting and understanding personalities, which were great. I just devoured it because I truly started to see why my son was doing what he was doing. But yeah. where I started struggling, Larissa, was it was a good book. I had nobody helping yeah. me after the book. I think book. I've read it, yeah. Right, yeah. it's a good book, good concept, yeah, I'm excited, but now, now how do I apply this? And then I still was struggling. So right. I went back and I completed the trainings, you know, the basic training, the advanced training, master training, all that stuff, because then it just became part of my life. Mm -hmm. And when I started to see the transformation in myself and my parenting relationships, I began sharing this with educators and parents, and I've been doing that for about 20 years. And then when COVID hit, well, <laughs> I wasn't able to be face yeah. The schools anymore, it really caused me to have to pivot. And in the blessing in that, because as much as I loved interacting with people yes. in the schools and being a part of their extended family, this gave me an opportunity to work individually with families and be more intentional and specific with coaching right. to truly help them. I think to it would help you focus, family. right? It really would. You can narrow your focus right. and then be more you intense. see by just going to a workshop. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so, so I, I have really, although COVID has really been a bummer and it did kind of put me on pause for a little bit, yeah. the transformation that I'm able to see now far exceeds and the fact that I'm able to work with people all over the world, just like you're saying, yes, where yes. before I was kind of working within a tri-state area, you know, I traveled within three states of the U.S. and But being able to do things virtually has just mm. opened it's up. It's really opened us up, eh? And you know what? Parents all around the world love their kids. The parents all around the world still struggle with parenting their kids. And so it's yep. like a universal, we all love our kids. We're passionate about our kids, but we still struggle when we do not understand why they act and respond the way they do. Behaviors and this is what I found. Is that, you know, when, right? Behavior. Yeah, well, and understanding personalities. When you understand personalities, we start to experience... Yeah, we start to experience behaviors. And what we tend to do when we experience disruptive or out of control behaviors is we tend to want to punish the behavior. Yeah. But if you don't get to the root of the behavior, it's which is usually an unmet emotional need or a skill that they've not yet learned, you know, in other words, conflict resolution, communication, all those things, we just want to punish that behavior. Instead of that behavior them. will continue or escalate if you yeah. don't get to the root. Yeah. Yeah, I find you that gotta get to the root. And so that's what you're saying. When I work with parents, yes. they tend to want to be more punitive and really they're yes. kind of just forgetting the one step that you need to guide and teach and just teach them how to cope and give them their resolutions or their coping mechanisms. Because quite frankly, self-talk is very underused right? Self-talk. I don't know how many parents are actually teaching it, but it is resilience. Self-talk revolves into resilience and the ability to make decisions. Okay. Should you push Johnny in line when you're in grade one? Do they learn how to, you know, the budding system? No, you don't push Johnny out of the way. You go to the end of the line. You know, you can't do hands on. So you have to come home and you have to reteach that behavior. You don't just let the school handle it because it's how you're handling it. Just, yes. just little things like that. They are little things. And yeah. Really so my first, go ahead. 
Well, it was really just interesting that we, we, we tend, if that was the, the cycle that parents get into, as you're saying, being punitive and trying to discipline that without teaching. There's the emotional need. What is the emotional need? Some kids need control. Some kids need recognition. Some kids yeah. need affirmation. Some kids just need quality answers. They're perfectionists. They, they need time to process things. And it's not right or wrong, but it is different. And right. our interactions, the way we respond to that is, is whether or not that child's going to feel valued and understood or feel as though there's something wrong with them because we yeah. continue to criticize the way they act and respond, especially if it's different than us. And that's usually what happens. Why don't you think and act like me? I gave birth to you, you live in my home, but they're wired differently you from think birth. That that's partly instinctual, Karen? You, I gave birth to you. Like a lot of people say, why don't they act like me? I'm like, well, do you act like that? Because sometimes we're not all perfect. <laughs> oh, and we're not. Absolutely not. And I think it's right. because we want to raise perfect kids according to our design. See, parent by design is to understand how your child is wired, their design, and parent according to their needs so they can be the best that they can be according to their needs. Some kids are driven. Some kids are just very social. Some are very uh, reserved and, and supportive. And if you wanna take a supportive <laughs> child, like you were talking about your daughter being more yeah. reserved and you're more of the extrovert and she's more of the introvert and you're saying, and I've had parents say this, what's wrong with my child? They don't wanna do this, 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 and this. And it's just like, because they just want to do one thing. Look, my daughter was the same way with dance. You said your daughter was a swimmer. I, went, I was in Girl Scouts, I was doing all these things and I kept I know. introducing so my kids. Dancing. And she's saying, I just want to dance. I just want to dance. I'm like, well, you can dance into Girl Scouts and you can do this. But, and she's saying, mom, I just want to dance. And she's I'm thinking you her boundaries, right? Right. Was I hearing her? Yeah. Yeah. So then when I started hearing her, I was like, well, then you're going to be the best dancer you can be. And right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So just my first question to you is for, we wanted to help parents navigate some teen attitude. And I'm very thankful that I have had the pandemic to actually become closer with my kids. Yeah. Mind you, I'm going to add there that I had to leave the house and walk the dog a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's called self-care. <laughs> That's called, I needed a break because they're like, mom, did you hear this joke? Mom, oh, mom, did you hear this song? Mom, you want to hear that? And it's just, he, they just talk and talk. I'm like, and I, and the other one, he never really spoke that much. And now he just won't stop talking. So it's, it's a whole other. And then the other one, she's mom, did you get this food? Mom, can we have this? I'm like, it's just mom, mom, mom. So I'm like, okay, I need out of the house. <laughs> but it actually gave me time to give them expectations and boundaries. And okay, I need a break from you. I'm going to go work out downstairs. I'm going to go walk the dog. And you know, when I've said my limit is with that joke, can you stop saying that joke? <laughs> like it, it's a little, it was a little bit mature for his other brother to hear. I'm like, okay, stop. But it's just, there's little things throughout the day that they get onto. Now I use humor in my parenting. I use, I use the three whammy warnings, right? You know, um, did you pick up your socks? I, you got two more shots or guess what's going to happen, right? Okay. Um, okay. I, yeah. I'm very consistent in my parenting and I use routines to help the kids. What are you advocating to parents as tip number one to help with teen attitude? So the first thing we need to, and, and I do this in my crash course, I just, I just did one 
a couple weeks ago is to remember what's going on inside the teen. The teen brain is changing. And so, you know, you probably understand that, but the amygdala, which is in the frontal lobe is now maturing. And so as it matures, is it, that's the is reason. It really? <laughs> it, it, well, it could take a little longer others right so but you, that's when we start to get some of that ag almost aggressive behavior so you get the aggressive behavior yeah. and uh, the hormones are changing so on um, all of the progesterone and estrogen and and so their bodies are changing so they're starting to get hair where they didn't have hair before they're starting to develop breasts and they get very self-conscious with their bodies all these things are happening and when they are they're trying to figure out themselves. And, and when those hormones are changing, and you and I are both women, not wanting to blame that, but you know, I know when I was going to be mean, you know, I mean, if you're raising a daughter, you know when it's happening. And so they are just now starting to experience these emotions they've never experienced before. And they're just trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I always say, try to understand what they're going through, that it's just not about us. They're going through their own things. The other thing that begins to happen as they start to mature is they are developing their self-identity and independence. So it is more about the friends. It is less about family. It is more about friends. If they have to go to the mall with their mom, they don't look independent. So it's almost as though- <laughs> I don't think I go to the mall, actually. The mall. My daughter was like that for a while, but then- they was need the credit card. Well, if they want the money, yeah. But it means they didn't want to be seen or you drop them off and I'll meet you later. Like they just want to be independent. And, and for us, it's almost as though we, we don't want to let go of that. We don't want to let go. And it's a transition of the change. So I always say it's a different season of parenting. You've raised them to this point. Now they're developing to be the independent kids we want them to be. And we're saying, oh, wait, not yet. You know, and, and then we start with, you can't talk to me that way. You can't treat me that way. So I'm going to give you a couple of tips that have helped me get through the attitude. Okay, we're ready. Okay. Kyle was my argumentative son, argued about everything for any reason. The band should be on the debate team. He was good at it. But I got so hooked into these arguments, Larissa, that it started to affect the relationship to my other kids because I got oh, hooked in. Yes, it would. When it your child wants to hook you in. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because now I'm the crazy woman. So when your child's tried to hook you in, in other words, they ask you something that you give them an answer. It's not the answer they want. Now they want to debate it, right? This is what I would say. You know what, Kyle? Sounds like you want to argue about this. You know what, honey? I love you too much to argue. I'm not arguing, mom. I just want whatever. Fill in the blank. Honey, I love you too much to argue. I love you too much to argue. Okay. I love you too much to argue. Larissa, I think the first time I went through this skill, I think I probably said it seven times. Now, now, now granted, prior to this, I used to get hooked into the argument. And now I'm not. Well, I will, but I leave now. Like, I, I would rather be show them how to act like adults and how we yeah. remedy arguing. And yeah. I'll say, I'm going to let you, uh, we're going to stop this because I want you to know that this is my opinion, yeah. but I love you and I'm going to accept that. And we're going to stop here. It was a simple, I love you too much to argue. And after about the seventh time, this is what he said to me, because see, this is a new skill. So any parents that are going to start practicing this new, expect you're going to get a response because you've not done this before. And he looked at me and says, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I was expecting that. Yeah. yeah. Nothing, honey. I just love you too much to argue. Is that what you're going to say to me? Yeah. 
I love you too much to argue. So I stayed calm. I didn't bite the bait. So that's the first thing is stay calm and don't bite the bait. Like you're saying, I'm walking away. This conversation is over. But I found that when you say, I love you too much to argue, it's real hard for them to want to twist that. I love you too much to argue. You get me? Okay. So it was, (laughs) so that was one that really saved me. The other one with parents who are having trouble with kids getting things done, they're not getting their chores done, whatever it is, I use the I will messages. These are what we call enforceable statements. You can't control what your child does. You can only control what you do. So I will allow you 30 minutes of screen time, since we talked about that yesterday, when you load the dishwasher or when you, so I will when you, so you fill in those blanks. I will allow, I will, when you. So it's not that you're saying no, but there needs to be a condition to it because too many times we fight our kids on, yeah, on trying to get anything done. So it's like, I will, when you, you know, I will take you to soccer when the towels are hung up in the bathroom. You know what I mean? Because there's always on the floor. They were always on the floor in the bedroom. So I get tired of saying, pick up the towels, pick up the towels, pick up the towels, and the towels are still not picked up. So I will, when you. So you the I will messages, that's another thing to help. <laughs> yeah. Seven towels. All, I mean, there was none in the bathroom because they were all on her floor, you know? So, uh, so these were just, and it, and it could be anything. Yeah. I will when you walk the dog. I will when you, you know what I mean? Anything. You fill in the blanks. So it's not that you're always saying no to your kids all the time. I will when you. And I, I know a lot of parents are struggling with grades. You know, I will allow when the grades get to blank, you know, you fill in those blanks. And when I'm coaching, we set those boundaries, what they're going to be um, and and help parents stay accountable to applying these new strategies so that we can transform these relationships. And we're not always in crisis and conflict and in battle all the time with, with, because this really, and we just spoke about um, on our, on our own time, we were referring to how athletic families can actually go downhill very quickly when a parent is constantly nagging and criticizing. And I'm really, really grateful that my father was able to navigate sharing his solutions with me in the car. I saw you struggled with your serve today. Do you want to go and ask your coach how to remedy that? Or was there something going on in your head you want to share with me? Like he never said, you didn't do this wrong. Or, you know, if I, we lost a game, which A, he said, that's already enough pressure for you. Yeah, it is. And it is. Right? You, you know when you're yeah. beat and it sucks. But other friends who are in those same games, their parents are like, what happened to you? Why didn't you get that ball? Why didn't you volley that over? Why didn't you hit that harder? Why did you set to her? And I hear this, I'm like, I could not deal with that. Whereas I got in the car with my father and I was like, dad, did you see me? Did you, you know? And he was like, wow, that was a great hit. Oh, you took a dive. Is your head okay? And we would have an exchange, Yeah. yeah. right? It wasn't nickering and nagging. It was, you know, hey. A conversation. We don't have conversations with our kids. We, what I, I say, <laughs> we, we, we delegate or we dictate or we're directing and correcting, but we're not having conversation. It's a monologue, not a dialogue, you know? Right. And so I we will shut our kids down if all we're doing is directing and correcting. Yeah. We need to be able to connect with the heart of the child. 
Yeah. And it's so nice when I, I really do encourage my parents to say, are you your kid's landing mat? Because if you're their landing mat where they can come to you with anything, if they can visit, we think, I think we talked about this yesterday. Did we? So where matter what happens, even when you're little, you want to tell me about the bugs in the sandbox? Cool. Let's see. You know, then the next year they come along and they're like, Ooh, did you see mom? Did you see that baby bird? That was so cool. But then it evolves to mom. So-and-so is pushing me at recess. Um, okay. We do it. And then, so now it's up to the point where, yeah, mom, my, my friend is really sad. I think they're thinking about suicide. What do I do? So these little ways in which they come to you and you don't offer any criticism, any feedback, you just listen and say, how do you want to help? How do you want me to help you with this? And when you say that, they just, they know they can come to the next thing with you. You know, they can come to the next thing and mom, I failed a test. Yeah. So it's just one a year, two a year. What's the big deal? And how you failed? Like, did you not study? Did, did you know about it? No, mom, I didn't know about it. We were away. Oh, okay. Well then can it go ask for a retest? Ask the teacher. Problem kids, solved. kids fail, I tell parents you need to be sad and not mad. Most parents get mad when the kids fail instead of being sad that the kids fail. You need to feel sad that they did bad, not mad that because, right. you know, this is where it is. When you fail, you're making me look bad. You know what I'm saying? This is where the unspoken message is in some of our parenting. So when you don't do good, then you're not making me look good. So you better do better so that I feel better. I mean, they're not saying this, but this is the message. When kids are upset and even when they lash out at us, we want to be like, you can't talk to me that way. And this is what I've done. Is everything okay? Hey, is everything okay? must be must be you're having a rough day is is everything all right is there anything i can do to help you you know we take it personal but when we're in those teen years which is what we're talking about they're still trying to figure out how to communicate and we want to throw fuel on the fire when we start pushing back because they're pushing us we don't like the way it feels so instead of saying hey everything okay because when your kid is being aggressive it's probably not even you there's a root to the behavior we don't get to the root we want to put the band-aid on the surface but if we don't get to the root we'll never be able to transform what's really going on right. so when, when your I child sit, does get aggressive yeah, yeah. when i sit just, in class, you know just ask hey is everything all right it's amazing when i have 30 kids in front of me and when they when we break off and we talk and they it, they used to come up to my desk and um, just share little things. I'm like, Hey, how's, Oh, those are great kicks. I really like your shoes. And I'm not the critic critical teacher. I'm more of the, um, let's learn guys and let's have fun. I'm not, I'm that type of teacher. And my, I, I have no discipline problems really, unless it's about a phone. Right. Yeah, but the phone's away. They get very combative now because they want the serotonin and the dopamine. But if I just open myself up and say, you know, guys, if you ever want to talk, just, just come in at lunchtime. You need a place to eat lunch. My room is full with kids who don't have anywhere to go. They right. feel insecure, but then I've given them an opportunity to sit. You know that like at yes. one point the principal's like, um, Larissa, how are you going to go to the bathroom? You can't leave these kids in here. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. He goes, I think we need Good to, point. we need to get you another volunteer. So it ended up to be lunchroom drop-in. Right. Lunch for a bunch is what I started to name it. And then they started to bring games in for each other and have conversations with adults. 
and, and use that. Now, we were just talking about, I will, right? I will take you to swimming when you clean up your towels. We were just on the cusp of your last tip. So the last tip, let me see. The other one that I, I think is helpful to parents, because I've got a number of them in my, in my yeah. toolbox, is delaying consequences. And delaying the consequence, when a child does something that's going to require some level of discipline, rather than be in the emotion with the child, when the child's in the emotion and you're in the emotion, acknowledge that there's a situation like, dang, that wasn't cool. You know what? I'm probably going to need to do something about this, but not right now. Or let me I need some time to think about this. Yeah, let me think about, okay, that's where I would go. Okay. Let me think right. about it. Try not to worry about it. Yeah. This is, this is where we get the kids. Try not to worry about it. I need a moment to think about this. I need to talk to your dad about this. Whatever it is, because as parents, we need to be united front. Yeah. And so I'll get back to you on this. So try not to worry about it. But when you tell a child to try not to worry about a consequence that's coming, their head starts thinking. And <laughs> Don't you love the reverse about, psychology? <laughs> what's going to happen? Right. And, and what we want them to think of is what they did. See, we need them to internally process that they made a choice that wasn't a good choice because as soon as we slam them on the exterior with our words right. about what they did, now they're angry with us on the surface, but not internally processing what happened. Almost and when you have you think they're avoiding it, I think they would try and avoid it instead of learning how to process failure or mistakes, because let's face it, we all as parents want our kids to just keep succeeding, but actually they need to learn how to fail and make mistakes in order to be a good adult. And then you can go back and discuss it with them. Then you can go back and discuss it when you're calm and them calm. And, and by then they've had an opportunity to figure out what happened and give me an answer. You know, I mean, I, this, this happened with my daughter. I mean, she, she wrote a note in school um, she is a good and There were kid. no phones and they didn't text. <laughs> nope. She wrote a note in school to like, her teacher because she didn't get her homework done. And it was in a math class that she wasn't doing well in. Okay. So she wrote a note that said that she was sick over the weekend, didn't get it done. Could she turn it in on Tuesday? And then she signed my name to the bottom. Well, Larissa, we have separate, different last names because I'm remarried. Yeah. So he spelled my name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then she crossed it out and spelled it again underneath, right? So the teacher knew it was a bogus note that I didn't write it. So she called me and she said, what should we do? I'm so sorry. Yeah, don't worry. That was her. <laughs> so she called me. I call her up and um, the teacher says, what do you want me to do? I said, I'll take care of it. So I call her at the dance studio and I said, so Anna, you know, I got a call from Miss Conti. You know, she loves having you in class. You know, she thinks you're just a great student. You have so many friends. I affirmed all those things. And I said, but, but she mentioned something to me about um, a note that I had written and uh, about you being sick over the weekend and you didn't turn your homework in. I'm like, I don't remember you being sick. And like, I didn't remember writing a note. I'm like, did, did you write a note and, and sign my name to it? She said, yeah. And I'm like, dang, girl, that wasn't cool. I said, look, you go on back to class. I'll talk to you about it when you get home. Try not to worry about it. And I hung up. All day. They were sweating in their pants. She's at the studio. Right. She's at the studio. And I knew she had multiple classes. Well, I hung up the phone. I kid you not. 12 seconds later, she calls me back and she's heaving, crying. I'm so sorry, mom. And I said, Anna, we'll talk about it when you get home. 
try not go to class. Don't worry about it. Well, I knew that. Right. right. So it was a couple hours before she came home. She came home. Her eyes were all bugged out. And I just so, so, but by then we had delayed the consequence. And I said, what happened? Like it was really out of her character, but I asked her what happened. And she said, I forgot I had the assignment and I couldn't take another zero. So someone told her to write a note. She was easily led and see if you can turn it in tomorrow. And she that did. darn peer pressure. But we had to talk about, see, now we could talk about being led into doing something you shouldn't do, the character that you just busted with your teacher, because now, you know, all those things, and it, it became a teaching moment, not just a discipline moment. So I asked her, what were you doing that you forgot? And she was online. This was AOL. So this was a while back, right? AOL, so, woo! <laughs> dating, right? But That's it's the great. same thing. It's the same distraction. Same distraction though, right? It was a digital distraction. And so, you know what her consequence was? She was, she was off for three weeks. Now she never asked to get back on, but see the consequence needed to fit the crime. So because she was on digital, because she was distracted, because she then lied to her teacher, she signed my name, forged my name. I did remind her that is illegal stuff, you know, but it became a teaching moment rather than me yelling and screaming at her. It was a consequence that was going to happen at any way with the school. Delay the consequence. You get an opportunity to put together a plan. They have an opportunity to think about what they did and what could she have done differently. And now we have created a teaching. It's funny, I've almost so done the same thing with one of my kids. It's almost identical. The same story. But I have to wrap up, Karen. So I just, I want to go over some of the tips. So at the end, you let me know if we need to change or add or amend any of them. Okay. Okay. Cool. So Karen is leaving us with a number of tips that we can use at home. So the number one thing, and I actually encourage this as well to many of my parents and parent athletes, right? So um, understand that children are going through changes, yes. right? They are going through, my son just grew six inches, hair above his lip, like aggression, not, not to, you know what I mean? Like he has more testosterone. He wants to go play more sports. Yes. So it's to thing. It's coming. Yes. Now, the second one I find is a little bit harder to navigate and to identify, but every child between the age of 12 and 25 is trying to find their own self-identity. This takes years. Yes. And this is not something they can go, yeah, I'm this one day and I'm this one day. It's, they're also yeah. looking at sexual identity on top of this. Yeah. Yes. Right? So there's, yes. there's navigating all of that as well. Three, I really like is how you're arguing. So you want to argue about this, but I love you too much to argue, comment. And it's funny, it we sounds use- like you want to argue about language. this. You know what, I, I, I really love you. I just really don't want to argue about this right now. We're gonna to have to have a different conversation later. And it just, the calming voice, because teens really are impulsive. It's yes. better that they see us as a sensible we're under control when we're under control you know what honey i love you too much to argue i love you too much to argue let your no be no because you know they want to push you to get the yes and that's what would happen kyle would continue to debate my no was no i don't you know and, and rather than engage or but you don't do this and you don't do this and you know this and that's what would happen i threw everything but the kitchen yeah, and you know what i know it's a, i love you honey i just love you too much to argue and I like the way it tied into number uh, four here. So when you have children that are neglecting their chores, not picking up, we have a sock disease in our house. 
um, or a um, the toilet lid disease, or oh, the good one, toilet paper. Can you please replace replace that? Thank you. Right. <laughs> but what I'm seeing is, and what you are saying is, I will give you. 30 minutes of screen time when you do the dishwasher. I will take you to hockey. Have you completed feeding the dog? Right. Right. And those are not demands, but they're negotiations. Pretty much. Yep. I'll take you to hockey after you fed the dog. You know, I, I, you know I'll take you or after and you take the dog for a walk. Nagging. Right. It's no a more. simple ask. Okay. Now my last one that you had, and it's funny, I just, I just say, it, we give space until we feel like there's a consequence. You just say, uh, delay the consequences. And I really like that because it allows the children to process their mistakes. Yes. I'm an adult. I make mistakes. I have to think about what I'm doing and saying, and it takes work, right? Yes, We're all work in progress. We're never going to be perfect. But I really like the way you say delay consequences because what I find it does is let them percolate Yes. what they did what they're dealing with. And I actually find they almost want to cough up and confess. Uh, and and, and they can be honest. Yeah. I mean, I call it right. stew in your brew. I like the percolate. I say stew in your brew, you know, let them stew in the brew. You know what I mean? This is what they've created and they have to recognize that it probably wasn't a good choice. Right. Why did they do it? And what will they do differently next time? And that's usually, be, and then it becomes a learning Learn opportunity, mistakes, right? And not an art where you're instilling a discipline, you're grounded, you can't, you can't, but we've not talked about why they did the, why they did what they did. We don't get to that. You'll get we to do, it. Or yeah. you say, what were you thinking? Well, when you say, what were you thinking? They're not going to talk to you at all. Yeah, you know? right, it's like, it's like yeah. I didn't say nothing now, you know? Yeah. You have Those to are... we can have conversation, a dialogue, not a monologue, right? Yes. And I really like that. A dialogue is better than a monologue. So that means only one person is speaking. Exactly. And I really like the, in our house, we're saying when you're ready to have a dialogue with me and not an argument with me, we will talk. Yeah. Right. And they look at and me the other like, thing, I'll, I'll be, like, I'll no. be happy to talk. Yep. Happy to talk. When your voice is as calm as mine, I'll be happy to talk when your voice is as calm as mine. And I've had to use that a few times because when the teenagers yes. are being in that aggressive mode, they keep getting louder and louder. You know why? They're trying to get a response from us. Yes. We can't give it to them because now we just match their energy. Or sometimes I think they're not trying to get a response. They're actually just being quite impulsive because they want. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah, it's, they, but they want a harsh response and I just don't want to go there anymore. You know, I'll be happy to talk when your voice is calm. I have to watch my emotions too, and as parents, we're here too. And you know, my kids want to say something, and that's going to throw me over, and I'm done. I mean, I am done with this, and I have to stay in control. What I'm doing, when I am modeling this, this is what they will remember when they have their children. You this, hope. This is <laughs> we hope. Right? right? Yeah, we hope. But you know, it is. It's it's the tapes in their heads that you, that inevitably they're going to default to because that's not how we handled it. All we have going into our parenting in most cases is our personalities, how we're wired, and how we were parented. What else do we have? And that's now all have. with all of this technology, yeah, we really have no guides. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's why I've, I'm 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 grateful that I'm able to have these other two avenues to help people with. Um, this one woman says, I don't know how to do this and she's lost. So all these tips are going to really help. So Karen, can you leave us with how to reach you, everyone to reach you? I'm going to add it in, but 
Yeah, yeah. So I have a Facebook group called Parent by Design, and, and I, I can provide you the link for that if you'd like to join me. I do weekly tips. I do some free trainings. And you can also uh, jump on a connect call with me. And we can talk a little bit if you're really struggling with your parenting and you're ready to take some action. I mean, sometimes we're just muddling through. But I mean, if you are ready to start transforming your relationships, then we can jump on a quick connect call and find out where you are in your parenting relationships. What's going on? What's working? What's not working? And let's see if the parenting blue print is a fit for you to be able to transform your relationships from that chaos we're living to being a more confident parent. Well, I want to thank you for doing what you're doing for families and what you're doing for parenting because the mental health crisis that we have right now is, is incredible. In fact, I was on the phone with a psychiatrist and a psychologist for one of the, the films I'm working with. And they are saying that this is an epidemic. It was an epidemic pre-COVID. COVID is just pushing it to its envelope and that the numbers are actually triple the amount of COVID infectivity. And I was like, what? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And he goes, this is where I am. Get them and, off and I don't want to overstep my bounds, but I would rather equip the parents with the tools to deal with understanding their kids rather than send your child to somebody else because an unspoken word is I can't handle you. Thank I'm you. Sorry. And, and it's only because as parents, we don't know what to do. I'm here to say, I will help you with the tools. Right. So that and you I, know and I wish that we could get people like you in schools to help parents and we could actually have positions like in England, you would have a position at a school helping parents and that your pay, your salary is covered by their government and parents could come in and say, Hey, and, and we know that it's not the kids. It's gotta be the parents helping the kids. And exactly. we have any of those resources, we have nothing. Right. right. And so that's my goal is to empower the parents with the tools so that they can manage their kids' behaviors, understand their personalities, why they're, how they're wired, why they act yeah. and respond the way they do, adapt their personalities and their interactions to meet their emotional needs and apply the right strategies, not a one size fits all. So you can parent by design, because if you've got more than one child, you know, they're different. Oh, I know they're different. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here today, Karen. Thank you.